let's get into the next phase. The next phase is where you really see the meat of the entire career. Um, this is the height where you'll find most of their top tier records, uh, starting with Black Celebration released in 1986. Uh, we also have Music for the Masses released in 1987, Violator 1990, Songs of Faith and Devotion 1993, and arguably it could stand on its own phase, but I do think that Ultra is a good go-between between some of their later phases. So Ultra is also included in there as well. Ultra Ultra gets lumped into this phase. I would argue that this phase of records, these five records ending with Ultra, it's kind of like uh, a uh, baseball team that makes it to the playoffs finally. And whether they're making it to the world series or getting out in the first round, all of these records, these five records at least make it to the playoffs, including ultra. So it's just, I, I it's a, it's a, it's a strong run in my opinion. No, I'm not going to argue with you. I, I just, I wonder if um, there's some pearl clutching from some of the more hardcore Depeche mode fans on, on that, but it'll be, you know, sound off in the comments, folks, you know where to find us. Um, but I, I do agree with you. You know, no argument here. I think Ultra does stand in that um, middle of the pack where they're at the height of the powers, where the Avengers had assembled. Just to comment on that, um, I agree with that. On paper, it makes perfect sense. And, and and talking to Heather about it too, you know, like I said, she's a super fan, and so much so that she actually saw like music for the masses tour as it happened and everything like that. She was a fan since she was a. Uh, a child and uh she she i mean i think she might agree with that statement in the sense that she was still like as a fan early on was still rolling with it songs of faith uh, sounds of faith and, faith and devotion and then even ultra she started like seeing that they were veering from what she liked about depeche mode but still understanding it was like you know you know there were some solid tracks and then of course after that everybody had to take a break but um <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I think, uh, we'll I, get, think we'll, I think there's something to that lumping them together. I think makes sense. Right. That's interesting. But it, 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 is it is that album is is it? Yeah, I've never really sat down and thought about this. Exciter or Exeter? Is it called Exciter or Exeter? Exciter. Okay, it's Exciter because right. it could be called Exeter because so many people probably wanted <laughs> yeah. to Do exit that. their fandom. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, well, we'll get we'll there. get to that. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> um. All right. So starting out with um, Black Celebration, 1986. Um, Eric, uh, tell me, what what's your thoughts on Black Celebration? Yeah, I mean, it's so good. Um, and that this is one that, in, you know, it, in the, you know, last 10 years or so, I've, I've kind of just kind of become a fan of, of listening to it straight through. Um, Dave is has found his vamping vocal like dramatic performance that we saw inklings of before. Um but not tonight is just like a really cool like it just sounds like you're listening to it through a stained glass window. Um and uh it, it was a B-side. That wasn't even uh, you can only get that one on the extended version. But on the on the album itself, I mean Question of Time is one of their best singles of all time. That is just an EBM masterpiece. Um, and the verse just, 
just pulls you in, and then you hear the screechy synth and the synth sax going over the hook, and, and, and that song is just amazing. Um, uh, the Black Celebration just fits a theme. Like like I said, they, they were projecting this whole album through stained glass windows, and it, feel, it sounds like that when you listen to it. Um, as far as getting production consistent, I, I think they, they perfected it on this record. Um, it doesn't have the bangers that the next two will have, um, but it has plenty of bangers uh, in its own right. I, I love this record. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo those thoughts. I mean, it's near perfect. It's uh, and like Eric's description of uh, like, yeah, like the prism of it being through stained glass windows. It definitely has a lot of atmosphere. Like you could just you could taste it. It's just just like you could feel it. This the next two records. This one, this one and Violator, I think, have the most most atmosphere. The next one does too. But this and that and Violator, there's just inky darkness that you can just they're just tantalizing. You could feel it. Um. The song Black Celebration, just I feel like that's such an announcement. Like, I don't, I don't know if it was intentional, but that song just feels like an announcement of uh, there's greatness coming for the next few records. And it starts here. Um, and that just that song itself. I just I love the way it kind of just starts with the slow build, a really slow build. It has like these old West sounding synthesizers. I don't know how else to explain it, but it sounds like the old West to me. And then there's a couple of clanging and then the song just picks up the pace and you're off and it's great. Um, and it has some of the, you know, those lyrics we were talking about of Martin Gore saying, yes, my lyrics can be forlorn, but at the same time there's hope. He actually says it in that song. I look to you, how you carry on when all hope is gone. Can't you see your optimistic eyes seem like paradise to someone like me? It's a great lyric. And it kind of does spell out that like, you know, I'm down and out, but Someone like you that has like an ounce of hope in your heart, I can, you know, I can hang on to this. Uh, I love the video for Black Celebration. Um, Ron, there is not a video. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the strip video. But uh, Black Celebration is a great, great way to open up a, a, a record. Um, I mean, the record itself is just, it's near perfect. I've listened to it on repeat a few times. That's one I can put on. I might just, when it's done, I'll go through it again. Uh, last year, when I was driving back from my grandfather's funeral about three hours away, I listened to the Black Celebration on repeat about five times, then the Pogues, uh, If I Should Fall from Grace from God, about five times. The perfect mix of music leaving a funeral. Um, great stuff. Just a great album. Uh, Trent Reznor, he, he says that it pretty much influenced him to make Pretty Hate Machine, which I can hear. I can, I can hear that analog futurism on black celebration being uh, an influence of pretty hate machine. Uh, that's just the opening track flies on the windscreen track two. one of my favorite Depeche mode songs. Ooh, if not so good, if, if not my favorite Depeche mode song, I love that song. Uh, some of the reasons I love it is uh, it's got like, it's got some Miami, but bass Miami vice bass synthesizers going on. 
David and, and Martin Gore teaming up together, singing on the verses is fun. Uh, you know, we, I've gone on and on about Martin's harmonizing. I will continue. Um, I love just the fact it opens up with them just saying like, death is everywhere. It's just, just so like, just in your face. Fantastic. And then there's like the oddly comical line of it is the, there are flies on the windscreen for a start. <laughs> just like, yeah, like there's death everywhere. And if you guys haven't noticed, there's flies on the windscreen. I just, I love it's It's slightly comical. Um, and that song just has great synth work in it. Um, I, I love that song. It's uh, darkly romantic, which they can do. And what else, you know, I'm going on and on here, but also Stripped. Stripped is probably one of the best songs of all time. That's the one that has the video that I really like where it shows a car starting, like from the exhaust pipe. On the album, you hear the sound of a car starting. I, I, I love it. Um, and Stripped's just, I mean, that song's near perfect. The, the synth work on that song, the, you know, da, 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 da. That's that unmistakable great great song stripped i love that romstein cover of it as well as we've talked about i love the message of stripped it's another message song you know like my kid tells me my son always tells me like dad don't you know we're supposed to enjoy nature will you just let me go enjoy nature yeah my son says that to me sometimes uh usually when i'm trying to just keep him in my sight and that's what that song's all about let's just uh get back to the uh the bare bones of things and enjoy each other in nature. Stripped is a great song. Question of Time's also on there. Oh my God. Uh, it Doesn't Matter is also a good song. And Eric, did you bring up But Not Tonight? I think you might have. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Just an e- epic B-side. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was from a movie, I believe, starring Virginia Madison called Modern Girls. Yeah. Actually, we just, we Heather tracked down the Blu-ray of that. Uh, she's been trying for years and she finally got it. I didn't get to watch it before this episode, but. I will let you know because the music video has clips from it. Yeah. That song is fun though. That's, that's more of an upbeat. I could picture another band writing that song besides the mode. It's really good though. In a 16 candles type of way. Um, yeah, it's good. The album's good. The, the whole, every song you can probably talk about. It's good stuff. New, new dress. Great song. Yeah. Mark, you love that the black celebration, don't you? I do. I mean, uh, I remember being introduced to this one because the other ones did have its tendencies to have darker um, lyrics, but still had very upbeat, kind of bouncing little numbers. This one here just lays it off all threadbare. I love how ominous everything sounds. 
uh, Black Celebration, that title track, I mean, it sounds like the opening to a horror movie. Um, the uh, just weird creaky door kind of like what, what's coming out of the shadows kind of sounds. Um, it's like then, uh, influenced by like Giallo scores, I think. The, the kind of Italian horror. Yeah. I okay, I see that, it. Because it, kind of, it kind of has that feel. It, it does have that feel. Um, and uh, I could just picture if that's how they're opening their concerts, where it just, welcome to the funeral, everybody. Uh, that would have been fantastic. And uh, I, I believe they may have done that. Um, fly on the windscreen, all-timer. I don't understand how that's... Uh, not on everyone's radar when it comes to one of their better songs in the record uh, or their entire career. Yeah. Uh, it's very underrated. It, it, it took very me underrated. a bit to get into a question of lust. Um, Cause it was on that singles record. And that was my first introduction to actually hearing Martin Gore sing. And he does the more of the ballad stuff. And it's not necessarily uh, my go-to when I want to listen to Depeche Mode, but over time I've now come to appreciate that side of Depeche Mode of his kind of longing vocals and uh, I would say a little bit more sentimental and sappy type music. The That song, the part, I, I, I the same way as you did. I used to be like, skip, but now I appreciate how cheesy it gets when he, when he you know, it's a good it question of da, 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 da. Yeah. Like he really starts like you can picture him like like being like a Richard Marx type guy. Yes, when he sings it. yes, so, that's so, exactly what. I, yes, it, it's I admire the earnestness of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Easy listening is what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and but a question of time. I mean, that that one is rip roaring. I love that one. Uh, and I think they even juiced it up a little bit on that singles and then stripped. It's phenomenal. The starting car uh, sound effect at the beginning um, and the acoustic guitar that's in there, um, the layering between um uh, Dave Gahan's vocals and Martin Gore and the kind of the choruses, unbelievable chef's kiss. Um, but yeah, dressed in black, another great song. And then of course, new dress ends it out. Um, it's a really great conceptual and I absolutely agree. It's one of their more atmospheric. Um, definitely great. It's, it's uh, kicking this whole thing off um, very, very well. So um, the next record Coming down the pike is the one that really uh, is uh, an absolute home run. I mean, my God, if if not, it's uh, almost it's almost a hitting for the cycle situation here. <laughs> um, music for the masses released in 1987 um, and it is a monster smash. And uh, I'd love to hear Stephen tell me music for the masses. 
Well, it's I can almost be as hyperbolic as I was about Black Celebration. Uh, this used to be my favorite Depeche Mode album, but in truth, my favorite Depeche Mode album has always been Violator and always will be Violator. But sometimes you want to say something else is your favorite just to be like, this is my favorite thing now. For a while, Music for the Masses was uh, trying to pull it off. These days, it probably is Violator, Black Celebration, Music for the Masses. But they're all very close in how much I love them. Music for the Masses, well, I don't find it as consistent all the way through as Black Celebration. The high highs are really high. Uh, starting with, obviously, the, uh, the opening track, um, Never Let Me Down Again. And it's just that that might be one of their best songs, like top three. Um, it's a favorite song of mine. You can't you can't beat that track. Just the and the reason I, I that song is just a great song, period. But some of the new things they start to do, it's got some of that uh, like more classic piano playing that they'll do a lot on Violator. Um, I, I, I like that. There's it's definitely still an electronic rock song, but there's some just classic non digitized sounding piano in it. Um, and just the way those opening drums start clacking and going. I just I, I love it. And the 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 epic close of the track with the it's got like. It just had a really ex never let me down again makes the band sound a lot bigger and more cinematic. And that song keeps building and building and building. And just like, I, I always picture when they play it live, everybody puts their hands in the air and they're swaying. Yeah. They didn't write the song to do that, but that reaction to it is perfect. It's uh, yeah, it's great. It's just never let me down. It gets to get so big and epic and just, I, I love it. Uh, and the, <laughs> the line that's always cracked me up and i'm sure we joked about this when we were younger was remember who's wearing the trousers i just uh <laughs> yeah i just always crack up with that, that line as long as you remember who's wearing the trousers <laughs> you know don't forget this is the band from basilton <laughs> so uh, and the, the video too the video of just the old man sitting there drinking coffee where dave gahan is passed out in front of him for the first verse then wakes up and sings along with it it's a great video yeah. Again, Anton Corbin, uh, basically a member of the band. Uh, I love it. Their videos are their videos from this era are great. Yeah, I mean, that's just the opening track. Um, uh, what, what else we got? It, it's 
the band starts to feel less sampled and more organic on this this record and i i i think it's a uh a good direction from them alan wilder's big uh i guess his big contribution was uh in like basically uh, encouraging live uh improvisation with instruments over the the programmed you know background so that's why you'll you'll hear some live drums come in and out or like just for like an improvised fill that that just mixes perfectly into the program drums but just gives that that little bit of organicness to it or like a guitar riff or a fret slip here and there um i think that really makes this one in the next album uh kind of their road forward yeah apparently for this one to that uh the way they wrote the songs on this one would be Martin would write a basic song structure. Wilder would then arrange the music and then the full band would meet in the, uh, the, the recording studio to put it all together um, for something that Dave Gahan would call electronic metal. Uh, but speaking of samples, interesting enough, they sampled uh, Led Zeppelin's when the levee breaks and never let me down again for one of the drum samples. And I think in our last episode, the beastie boys sampled Led Zeppelin as well. Didn't they? Yeah, sure. Sure did. There you go. Uh, a lot of great songs on this one. I've talked enough. You guys can talk more about it. But I, I will say that obviously Behind the Wheel and Strange Love and Little 15 even were all singles for a reason. Yeah, no, I mean, this one could be my favorite album any day of the week. Uh, all those songs are great. One thing about Never Let Me Down, uh, Steve, I don't know if you remember this, but you and I have only performed uh, a karaoke duet twice. And this was the second time, the more recent time. Uh, it was when I was visiting, when I was living in Washington state and I visited San Francisco and we, that was at the uh, 500 club. You ate two burritos that day. Oh God. That was the day I ate two, two <laughs> giant mission Avenue. Did you get a t-shirt that said that too? No, I just, I ordered my burrito and then I ordered Heather's, but I ordered it with stuff she can't eat for uh, food allergies. So then I just had to fucking eat too. That was a, that was a. You had to smoke the whole pack. Fucking day. <laughs> so anyway, Steve and I did perform this as a duet, um, which was great. Great memory. Great memory in the, uh, in the old tank there. Yep. Uh, strange love behind the wheel. I mean, come on. Fucking so pleasure, little treasure. Uh, the Sojourna. Um, and I love that the, the, the uh, tradition of tagging a little like uh, classical, uh, I guess, piano piece at the end of the albums. Um, anyways, uh, this one is, I feel is consistent. It is a little bit more, I guess, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Baroque maybe, or like it's trying to fit into some kind of like uh uh, classical Coliseum meets the stuff they've been doing uh, more so than anything else, which, which adds a little, I don't know. There's like a weight of history to this record that I enjoy. Um, but I mean, either way, I mean, come on, it's just hit after hit. Uh, I probably agree with you, Steve, uh, Violator is superior, but um, Never Let Me Down is probably my favorite Depeche Mode song. If I, was, if I was honest, gun to my head.
You know, the, uh, the album cover's cool. The album cover's like a couple of speakers and uh, that you'd see on a poll, like announcing things. So yes, music for the mass masses. Uh, the photo was taken by a man named Martin Atkins, but it's not the same Martin Atkins that uh, plays drums. Music for the masses is absolutely one of my, probably my second favorite, uh, maybe third favorite record of theirs. It, it fluctuates, but you know, to Steve's point, violator for me also sits right at the top that that thing belongs in a museum um but music for the masses is uh an achievement never let me down again has soaring drums there's a remix and when they do play it live they really extend out the uh the drum part uh, towards the kind of middle and then it swells again and it it's just amazing i love never let me down again uh, Billy Corgan did a version uh, just with him and his acoustic guitar. Uh, not so good. Uh, Strange Love. Uh, I like the fact that they've released that, this song twice with two different videos. Definitely has a great equality message of uh, acceptance. Uh, I do like Strange Love. Uh, Little 15 also had a video found on uh, whatever reason, just thrown on the very t- uh, end of the second disc of the best of 87. <laughs> yeah, really I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've always been confused by that. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, that vid- it's got like that weird, like <laughs> the, 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 the videos, they use a lot of Dutch angles in their videos. And that's yeah. another one where it's just, everything's at an angle, uh, bright toy, weird, toy pianos. Yeah. Colors. And uh, it looks like something from France, but yeah, little 15. Yeah, um, little 15. I mean, he's really doing the baritone thing and uh, very operatic, that one. It's a dramatic song. Sometimes it could be a little melodramatic, but I do like little 15. It works. Uh, Behind the wheel, it sounds like a hubcap uh, doing the uh, uh, slowing. It's slowing down as it uh, finishes spinning on a street. Um, And uh, yeah, it sounds like a racing song. Um, but it's not it but it just has that momentum um to have and to hold is also uh somewhat kind of a dark so- uh, sound for them uh i like nothing quite a bit uh pimp uh, it's an instrumental and apparently it includes an inter- interlude of mission impossible uh, but uh overall really strong record really really strong record um one of their best I gotta say, behind the wheel, man. 
um, that song just it has a it has a propulsion to it that I love, and there's a little there, there's some parts where the piano it kind of sounds like it's uh, like there's like interplay between the piano um, going back and forth. I, I don't know else how to describe it. It's, it's a great song. It's a good album. Another great album. They did do a live record and a documentary concert film by D.A. Pennebaker, who, you know, also did the David Bowie uh, documentary, Ziggy Stardust. So uh, there you go. There's the connection there. Um, I'm not a big fan of the sound of this record. Uh, It sounds very echoey uh, with a lot of crowd noise. Um, It's not bad. It's just it was done at the Pasadena Rose Bowl. And so the sound is just bouncing all over the place. Um, Had they probably used modern equipment, they probably would have been able to make it sound a little bit more fuller coming from the stage. But it it sounds like it was recorded in a bowl. Um, What what, what is cool is the the movie, which is not available on the streams. We bought a, a... uh, DVD for it and it only plays on our PS5. It doesn't even play on our Blu-ray p- players because of the the region coding. But uh, it is cool because it follows like these fans that won a contest to go backstage. So you kind of get a little slice of the fandom, I guess, at the time. And plus, it's just an epic. It's a really epic concert. It's it's it's, it's great. Um, so yeah, that the 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 live documentary is Chef's Kiss. Before we move on, I'd like to say that uh, Behind the Wheel was covered by the Dillinger Escape Plan with Chino Marino live once. All right. So the pinnacle of their career, I mean, uh, maybe some purists would say it would be Black Celebration. Um, but I, I think Violator is one of those flawless once in a lifetime records uh, that is pretty much great from start to finish. Um, this is the record that just sends them to Pluto and back. I mean, uh, the, not only were they selling out the Rose bowl with 60,000 people. Um, I mean, that is YouTube status. So maybe I need to eat some of my words. I mean, they've done stadium shows. I mean, shit, this was like the, the height of their powers. I couldn't imagine playing in front of 48,000 people or 60,000 people. I mean, this is an unbelievable amount of being in the crucible thrown into the cauldron. And when you basically are at that sort of worldwide fame, um, you know, some excesses start to happen within the band. Uh, Thankfully they were still, Firing in all creative cylinders, but I'm sure behind the scenes, this was where things were starting to get out of control for them. Um, A couple of them for sure. Yeah. Um, But Violator, it has just some uh, all-time classics. I mean, if you think about it, these songs have been covered by 
numerous artists and they will both past and present and they'll continue to be talked about and saying, I think that they're in the pantheon of all songwriting, uh, world in my eyes, personal Jesus, enjoy the silence and policy of truth were all of the singles, but hidden in here is also halo, uh, blue dress, clean, um, sweetest perfection, but halo and clean, I mean, they're two unbelievable songs that would fit better out of any of their other sometimes best of. I mean, this whole fucking record is a best of in my uh, in my opinion. Every one of these songs could be singles, um, but clean. How that fucking ends, my my Maron, as <laughs> Polly Walnuts would say. Uh, Halo, uh, like. I just Halo brings me back to riding in the old accident machine with Steven. And that has some good uh hand over a theremin type um uh hand work as you're uh, you know, I me and Steve did a lot of hand work as we drove around. Oh, what's going on here? Yeah, hey, this is uh you know, we could we 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 could admit to stealing all the cassettes from the little the record store you want. Well, let's leave the handwork of I've been, uh, past. I've been in, in the, a car uh, with Steve. Record. I've been in a car with Steve late night before. I know. I know. I know how it happens. I mean, he's not only playing the dashboard and the steering wheel. Like he's just uh, he's got some instruments that he's working on over in the passenger seat. Uh, Listen, he's playing an organ for sure. As they as they say, you know, uh, gas with cash, grass. <laughs> Or ass, nobody rides for free, something like that. Yeah, yeah. you're the that old phrase is. Yeah, but you're the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but um, violator, uh, not just what me and Steve were doing to each other. Oh my god, uh, it was just a question, a question of lust, really. <laughs> uh, but Stephen, tell me about violator. Oh, just Violator, I don't I can't say enough good things about it. It's a five star album on a five star scale. Um the album cover, iconic. Uh many, many I'd I'd bet there's over a thousand people in the world that have that album cover tattooed on them. Um, just that rose, the great uh, probably an Anton Corbin drawing. I don't know. I'm not gonna look it up. He definitely was filming some of those iconic videos for this one, though. Um I mean, just the three singles alone are all timers. Uh, well, let's start with the opener. The, the World in My Eyes, great opening track. Really has a sense of like cinema, cinematic space and movement. Um, World in My Eyes, I actually, again, Rammstein and Depeche Mode, the, the, the two bands to me are linked uh, for various reasons. The same feeling of travel that the opening track on Senshut by Rammstein gives me world in my eyes does it for me as well just really feel like that song like Martin says on it or David takes me on a trip world in my eyes great opener
Uh, Halo, like you were saying, Mark. I don't know if it was a single, but there was a video for it. Did you guys get a chance to watch that video? No, I did not. I, this is news. I, I did not know that they had a video for it. Yeah, uh, Halo has a video, and it's uh, it's like at a circus, and it's got like like a bearded lady and like a strongest man thing. You got Dave Gahan walking around like with the, you know, he's 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 becoming a bad boy or he is a bad boy uh, with his the cigarette hanging out of his mouth and his greasy hair and tattoo and leather jacket slung over his shoulder. But the uh, the star of the video is Martin Gore uh, with his face painted like a clown. So it's worth it's worth looking up just for that. Um, and then like Alan Wilder and uh, uh, Mr. Fletcher are uh, like they're like holding up signs and and backdrops will the the uh, people lift weights and stuff in front of them it's it's interesting it's very 1990s but halo the song that's great um the first time i heard it i just was like this song sounds like it's just dripping with atmosphere like it's not evil but it's got like this hot darkness to it i don't know how else to explain it you know as dmx says it's dark and hell is hot well so is the song halo um and the whole album kind of has that, but it's just Halo's just an amazing track. Uh, uh, Martin's harmonizing that line when the walls come tumbling in is just amazing. The strings on it are amazing. Uh, that line, like a Halo in reverse, is good imagery. Really, really love the song Halo. Uh, waiting for the night to fall great great song i love that twinkling keyboard effect that sounds like it sounds like what stars flickering would look like it's awesome use of a sound effect that reflects what the song is about which is waiting for the night to fall um great song uh, the band ghost covers it and i like their cover quite a bit 
uh, enjoy the silence. Like I said before, is one of my favorite songs of all time. It has been since I was a kid. Uh, the video for it has this opening part that I wish was on the album. That always bums me out. That 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 opening like twenty seconds that it's in the video. You guys know what I'm talking about. Where it shows the four the band members. You know. Yeah. Um, it's not on the album, but the song itself. There's not. We all have heard "Enjoy the Silence" a billion times. I can't believe it. I, I didn't know it until researching for the podcast. It was going to be a ballad. It was going to be a slower song. And then he decided this isn't working. Let's add a beat to it. And uh, well, the rest is history. And I the lyric has been right in front of me this entire time. There is a reference to uh, somebody's drug use. All I ever wanted, all I ever needed is here in my arms, in my arms, like shooting up. Never fucking noticed that before. That's right in front of you. Um, enjoy the silence is such a good song if I were dying and I was like I gotta hear one more song before I die that probably could be it I'd be like the last song I hear before I I, I, I know it's very dramatic but I would not mind if uh, enjoy the silence was the last song I heard before I died that's how that's how much I love that damn song And uh, clean, like Mark said, great closer. They they said somewhere, somebody did say that it was influenced by Pink Floyd's One of These Days, I'm Gonna Cut You Into Pieces, which is fine with me. And you can hear it, that, that bass line. Mark, you can hear it, can't you? Absolutely. Yeah, that droney, but it, not done as Beep, like... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's an awesome album. And the thing about the album... And I'll leave it up to Eric to talk about personal Jesus, but the album is just balanced so well sonically. Its production is perfect. It is just perfectly level. I just I can't believe how good it sounds. It the album sounds so good that when you listen to it, it makes your ears feel good and healthy. It's just the sonically, it's it's the sweetest perfection. It's just it's just so amazing. The record sounds as good as it does. I, I love it. Violator's great. Yeah, for sure. Like, if you could mathematically put out, like, and compare charts as far as, like, uh, uh, comparing uh, audio levels to, uh, I guess, the uh, the flow of the album, um, it's just perfect. It 
it really is. It's perfectly produced. Um, there, there is no like shuffling about trying to find your your place on this album. It's 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 perfectly realized from start to finish. It, it really is a perfect album. Um, I don't have anything to say song wise, track by track, because I think you guys covered it. I do agree with you, Steve, that uh, you know fuck enjoy the silence that could be a deathbed song it's glorious it's that that's the song that i have a video of lennox screaming at the top of his lungs singing along with dave at the concert which i do cherish that um yeah you know about that song real quick i haven't talked about it enough but what you'll see more and what you're seeing here is martin gore is a guitar player is also in addition to his awesome backup vocals he just is a really subtle guitar player and does just enough with his guitar work to make it really stick and, and enjoy the silence. You've got on one side, the, the keys that sound kind of like a, uh, like a, somebody chanting the, Oh, Oh, you've got that bit, but then just the, da, 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 da. that guitar line, it's just so simple, but just so impactful. Again, it goes yeah, back to that balancing yeah. the, the echoey guitar tone. It's, it's, it's playing into that, like goth rock guitar with the cure was doing, of course, like Christian death mastered it. Um, and, and, and that's definitely Martin Martin's like go-to, which it works perfectly with it. I mean, like there's a reason why these genres of music all intersect Depeche mode because it's just, it's, it's perfectly realized. Um, yeah, this album's great. This is the album where Dave Gahan, like, I guess <laughs> this is where he joined the speed force. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, this is where he fully realized his powers where like, when I listen to it, it's perfectly produced every like, and for my sensibilities as being a fan of like dark electronic music, I am enthralled by this album from a musical standpoint, but when I listen to it, Dave pulls me in and takes me on a ride on every song. He, he has, he basically captures the, the, uh, the whole pace of the song, the flow of the song with his lyrics and, and, and the way his delivery, um, he is absolutely, uh, the, the carriage driver throughout this entire record and will be from here on out. Um, and uh, anyways, so Dave realized his power on this. And yes, Personal Jesus is a great single. Um, one thing I want to say about that, which is cool, is it's a country and electronic should not go together. It just doesn't. <laughs> on paper and in real life, it just is not. It, never the tween shall meet. But there's aspects of that song from the bluesy acoustic guitar riff to the fret slide, the rockabilly fret slide that that echoes into the stratosphere. Uh, they figured it out on this one song, and um, it's a reason why it's one of their biggest tracks. I mean, come on, it's 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 fucking great. Uh, not the best song on the record, but it is deservedly so. A massive uh, crossover hit. Uh, yeah, this is one of the best albums of all time.
pick up the receiver, I'll make you a believer. It's a great lyric. They, oh yeah, and it's not like, you know, it's not like modern country, but I could see a place where Americana and electronics should intersect, and I think Depeche Mode does that now and again. You could do it, right, you could right. do it tactfully. Sure, sure. Yeah, the Violator, it does not get much better than Violator. It's hard, I mean... I, it Desert Island Disc, I believe it's a, a top top tier. Yeah, doesn't doesn't matter the genre, doesn't matter the band. Just say, give me ten records. Violator should be in that top ten. So that's uh, enough about Violator. We we'd be here all night if we talked about how great it is uh, continuously, and. Uh, we got one more record to talk about in this phase two and don't worry folks. Phase three is extremely short and phase four will be a lot briefer, but uh phase two, we're still coming out of, of the great years of Depeche mode. Uh, before we, we get two to all more, two more records in this phase. No, well, we do, but we're not talking oh, about yeah, Ultra yeah, tonight. Yeah. 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 But not, but not tonight to quote the band. And the next one, Mark, is uh, Songs of Faith and Devotion, I believe. That is correct. 1993 is the year of release. Uh, so now we're seeing a little bit of a, a gap between record releases. Um, it was uh, recorded. Well, you know, but now, so now let's, let's, let's unpack that for a bit, though. Sure. They're a little older. I imagine they're starting to have families, maybe. I know Dave Gahan at least has one kid. He's been married three times. But by this point, he has one kid. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Andrew Fletcher, I imagine, has a whole secret life. Um, like I, I, I also, I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew Fletcher actually holds down a full time second job in addition to the Depeche Mode at an office somewhere. Um, but also the drug use. Uh, I, we, we don't spend a lot of time on the gossip on Pod Like a Hole, but it's very well known that there was uh, addiction problems with Depeche Mode. Dave Gahan specifically has spoken about it quite a bit. Christ, he almost died. And we'll talk more about that when we discuss uh, Ultra from an overdose. Um, and I'm sure some of that kind of led to the gap between the last album and this one. Some hard living, I, I, I'd say. I mean, it wasn't only the overdose that nearly killed him. He actually did attempt suicide as well. Uh, so uh, tried to slash his wrists, but not in a sense where he was really serious about it. It was more of a cry for help. Um, but uh yeah, as he was, admitted himself, I would never. Yeah, I would never put those words in someone's mouth. He said that himself. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, I mean, yeah, horrible. I mean, thank God that this wasn't their last record, but things obviously were coming to a head. Alan Wilder was, yeah, really just seeing the band fall apart. Martin Gore, on record, has said that he had issues with alcoholism, um, and that was an issue. Uh, but yeah, Andrew Fletcher probably was just trying to keep everything together. I mean, the height of the popularity um, was almost riot-worthy whenever they would show up to do record store signings. I mean, I, the amount of pressure then trying to follow up your best-selling record that has earned you global fame, uh, the pressure that you must be on from a creative standpoint and then just a personal standpoint but having said that, I do think that they released a really uh, great follow-up. Now, it's not as good as Violator. That is known. Um, but it is a very, very well-done record, which does kind of remind me of um, 
coming from you two, Joshua Tree uh, to uh, Octune Baby, it's that same kind of transition of trying to follow up this monster of an album and doing it. And uh, again, Flood produced Octune Baby, which was a departure for uh, for you two. And this is also a bit of a departure for Depeche Mode. You see them picking up the guitars. You turn them. Now they're playing a little bit more louder rock music. Some of the beats are a little bit more trip hoppy. Um, it's it's a really interesting record. Uh, I feel you walking in my shoes. Condemnation in your room. Um, those were all of the singles, and also in the deep cuts, the song called Rush is mm-hmm. really fucking great. Yep. Um, Higher Love, very gospel, but a great way to end the record. Agreed. Uh, Condemnation, it used to be one of those skippable songs that has now grown on me. I've really embraced the uh, gospel kind of street preaching. Dave Gahan really does sell it with his vocal performance. Um and yeah, I'll let you guys talk a little bit more in depth about some of the other songs, but it's a, it's a pretty great record, a very consistent. Sometimes it does hew a little bit more towards um, trying to still be that four quadrant band, but still try to retain that alternative fan base. So I feel that they're able to turn that trick. I'm very curious what you have to say about songs of faith and devotion. Okay. Well, first, first run through. I, I, I was a little baffled by it. Um, there are some undeniably like great songs out of the gate. Uh, absolutely. You've got, I feel you, which is just huge. Uh, blues rock meets big old big beat stuff like it's 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 a great song in your room dreamy gothy song um actually there was a uh, when we saw them live their video that they played behind them was this really cool uh video that they took of a brother and sister dance duo um that does this whole routine inside of a like a bedroom and it's it was it was uh, really like highlight as far as like live visuals go. And Condemnation, I do like it. Like it's a masterclass in singing uh, for gospel. It kind of is like a Nick Cavey kind of twist on religion, and 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 then uh, I love the uh, the chain dragging like 
funeral pr procession beat in the background. Um, but I did feel like there were some songs that veered a little bit too much in adult contemporary. Um, but when I listened to it a second time, I really appreciated the production value. I liked, uh, they were pulling in a lot of live drums, a lot of live guitars. They were trying new things. Um, and while I think there are some snoozers on this record, uh, overall, if their theme was to attack, like basically look at their relationship with spirituality, with religion, uh, and how that intersects with love and politics and all that kind of stuff. I think they pulled it off. Um, and I think they actually moved their sound forward because the production tricks they use on this record are things they use to this day. Um, so overall, I, I, I do like it. I, I was scratching my head the first time because I do feel like it, I do feel it's inconsistent, but the threads that work work and advance the band, which makes it a good thing. In your Yeah, I like uh, Songs of Faith Devotion. I like more now than I used to. I've never disliked it. I've owned it for many, many years. I've always liked the singles. It's got really strong singles. Uh, Walking in My Shoes, In Your Room, and uh, what's that third one? I Feel You. I Feel You. Condemnation's great, great, also great. in there too, but I Feel You was the lead one. Yeah, great songs. Uh, I feel you use the opening track, another great opening track by Depeche Mode, who's great with the opening tracks. Uh, I do like the more touch of rock. I feel that coming off of Violator, this is absolutely going to happen. Violator, there were already a little bit more guitars than Violator, a lot more guitars on this one. And all of a sudden, this isn't like Dylan going electric or anything, but still, there's a lot more guitar work. You can chalk that up to it also being the 90s and grunge happening, probably. Um, just alternative rock in general. But I, I, I feel like it's one of their more organic albums, which is what I like about it. It sounds more like a band writing songs together. Uh, and some of what I've read, that was what happened. They did live together and record this one, wrote some songs together. Um, it's inconsistent, but never bad. Uh, the high highs, like I said, are great. 
I think it sounds more like a rock band playing together. Uh, Condemnation, just like Mark said, when I was younger, I thought it was kind of a goofball song. I think I just wasn't mature enough to appreciate it. Now I love it. I, I, I have more of an ear for that style of song now. And Dave's delivery is just amazing. And yes, that chain gang percussion, for lack of a better term, was great. Yeah. Walking, music, walking. music video is a little <laughs> last temptation of Christ, but it's perfect. Well, what, I mean, what, what, what was the, what was the music video? It was just like, it was Dave, like walking in robes, like, and he's in his full on heroin. Jesus. Like, you know, I never look, saw that not right. to cut you off, but what was really played a lot on MTV and VH one was the live version. They did a whole live record of right, every song right. on here. And that's what they used mostly. Sorry, Eric. No, I didn't mean no, to cut the, you no, off. No, no, this one's an Anton Corbin video, and it's very much looks like uh, uh, Last Temptation of Christ or something, where it's just the Bible, and he's and he's walking through, and he's very much the Jesus figure in this like old kind of religious uh, procession down through the desert. And, uh, and he's well, just, I mean, he, he's it's just wailing. Dave was going through some stuff. He grew his hair out. That's always a sign, guys, when they grow their hair out. Um, They're on the and, uh, the the. Oh, he dope. left his he. He left his wife and moved to L.A. Oh, you see, that's problem right there. Red flags. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, he, he looked cool with the long hair. Um, but it, yeah, it just uh, like you know, walking in my shoes, you can't. Mark made a, a hilarious comment in the writers room. One of the lyrics on that, and they always, I love it when they have a goofball turn of phrase in the lyric. Like I said, you know, there are flies in the windscreen for a start. On that one, it's, uh, you know, keep the same appointments I do. <laughs> Mark, you were, you know, Mr. Gahan, it's, uh, you're up to your dentist appointment. It's just, uh, <laughs> I don't know what, pretty good. And then, yeah, condemnation is growing on me. And, you know, now that we talk about it, so personal Jesus, Eric, we discussed, like I said, I don't know, I think like Americana and bloops and bleeps can go together. And then the early 90s, there definitely was kind of this, like, I don't know, gospel uh, a modern adult contemporary thing going on. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time we've talked about that style of uh, music on this podcast. If you, if you recall. Condemnation and, and River of Dreams definitely go together. <laughs> there was something in the air in the early 90s. Um, One was like, Judas, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do a gymnastics routine to Condemnation, though. <laughs> Judas, it's a I big would actually kill, kill to see that. <laughs> what, the the River of Dreams one? No, no, well, oh. yeah, but that's that time has passed. But if you wanted to pull out the old gymnastics shorts again and do it to con- Condemnation, <laughs> I, think, I, I think that'd be amazing. I can't uh, believe Judas, that. Judas is also a good track, big cinematic song. And Rush, like Mark mentioned, Rush is an industrial banger. Sounds like something Eric would write. Um, I really like Rush. Rush has a, that Depeche Mode guitar tone that Martin sometimes uses. It's similar to Woosh Guitar. Uh, Woosh Guitar, folks, if you listen to season one, it's what I 
described a guitar tone Trent Reznor would use sometimes because I couldn't figure out how to describe it. And sometimes uh, Martin does something similar. Um, yeah, Rush, In Your Room, Higher Love, good stuff. All good stuff. In Your Room, too. Th- this album does have some of that Wilder atmosphere on it, Alan Wilder. In Your Room has like this devilish rising action to it. It's a pretty crazy song to where you don't realize how like overwhelming it is until you're like in the middle of it. It's uh well, like Alan Wilder's playing drums. I mean, it really does give that whole band spirit. Uh, Cause most of their videos, you don't really see a lot of performance video. Like they'll, they'll maybe intersperse it, but for the most part, they're banging on the pots and pans and um, having more of conceptual things happening. Um, but uh, in your room is a punchier version on that video version because I still think that they use what uh, mix called the Zephyr mix, and you even see that on the singles collection. The one on the record is a little more, maybe it's a little like the production's different where the drums don't sound as punchy. Um, I can't place it, but there is a difference between what you see in the video and what you hear on the record. Yeah, I think you're right. Songs of Faith and Devotion was received pretty well. It's hard to come off of anything after Violator's got to be overwhelming. I mean, you can't. When you write Enjoy the Silence, you know you're not going to do that. Something as good as that twice, you just got to do the best you can. And I think they did. And I think it was good to take it in a different direction, a more rocking direction. Hell of a lot better than trying to do Violator Part 2. That would have been bad. So, it's good stuff. In between Ultra and uh, the album Mark's going to bring up, which is a snooze fest, they did release that singles collection, and it had one new song on it that I think is worth mentioning called uh, Only When I Lose Myself. That's right. That song? Yeah, that was a pretty good song. Yeah. It's, uh, had an exotic it, it sounds, sound to it, too, as well. Yeah, I can imagine it being an Ultra, actually. Um, it's it, it's. I think it was a B-side. I think they actually recorded it at the same time. I do. That's it's a good one. It has kind of an exotic sound to it. It kind of has a expand. It's a cinematic track, I think. Um, and the video has some people. It's all a metaphor for drug use. And uh, there's a there's a there's a puppet in the uh, there's a looks like a Muppet in the in the music video, hanging out with a guy that looks like Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, and so that ends the music for the masses's phase. Um, but the next phase is something that stands on its own. In my mind, it's the sleepy time tea phase with the inappropriately named album Exciter. It was released the same day, May 14th, 2001 as tools lateralists and Weezer's green album. Uh, it was a midnight sale at the record store. I had to work it, but I was very excited to make my purchase at the end of the night. 
that was the aforementioned night where I was living with Steven and I was wearing a white shirt and I had my long hair. It was hot in there. It was crowded. So what was the appropriate thing to do? You got to tie your hair back, man. And so I come home still with my shoulder length hair tied back. And I swear to God, I look like Gary Elways is coming out of fucking Princess Bride with my white over probably big, too big for me, like shirt. That was all button up. Uh, it was definitely pirate mode, Mark. Um, and that's as disappointing as my look was, was this record was. Uh, it's a snoozer, folks. Um, I, it was like one of those things was eat your vegetables. Like, I, I got to like this record. I got to find a reason to really like it. Uh, Dream On comes on. I'm like, okay, okay, it's a, it's a it's acoustic number, but okay, it's minimal. I, I think I can do it. And then Shine, and then I'm like, okay. And then Sweetest Condition, and I start to really fall apart. I, I sort of like jolt myself awake during the dead of night um, in the zombie room, which has a little bit more of a driving beat, and then I fall back asleep. And then I roll my eyes so hard you can hear the sound of my eyes in my skull with free love um comatose is exactly what this uh, album is making me um <laughs> uh, i'm not digging this one and so i i really am start to dragging like okay depeche mode's finally done it but i still managed to go to the tour because i was so juiced when me and steven saw them on the singles tour um, when Dave Gahan obviously couldn't tour for Ultra, no shape. We'll talk about it. Um, but after he gets clean and able to go on tour, they bring the house down in every city near you. And then when they are on their next tour, they do this one. And it was a giant snooze fest. But to hear more about it, let's talk to Steven. Yeah, uh, the, I'm really happy we saw that singles tour. Because if we only saw them for this tour, it would have been very depressing. Um, but I even remember, I, I, like, the whole show had the same vibe as this boring ass record. I swear to God, even the good songs that they would play, they did some rearrangements that sounded just like, "Hey, what if Sting was doing these songs?" Like that's that's the the vibe I got from yeah this album and that tour. And yeah, it's just an incredibly disappointing and just boring record. It's just boring. I mean, it's it's bad, but it's 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 more boring than bad. It's not memorable at all. Um, I just, it really turned me off to the band for a while. Not 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 on purpose. I didn't not go back and listen to the albums I loved. I didn't not become a fan anymore. But when they released their next grouping of records, they were not uh, day one releases for me like uh, Depeche Mode used to be. And uh, that's unfortunate because they really they they pick they dust themselves off they pick themselves up and they uh, they went and uh, they they got good again if you will after this album, but this is this is the Nader. I don't know if they were trying to figure out how to write albums with uh with 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 Andrew uh, Wilder yeah. gone um, yeah I mean may, maybe Ultra they had enough like he wasn't on Ultra either but maybe there was enough momentum and juice left over from what they did before to where ultra managed to not become whatever the hell this is. But I mean, uh, they just, everything about it's just not good. It's just sleepy music. It's just sad. Like easy tiger and dead of night. Maybe if I had to pick tracks, 
but that's uh, you put a gun to my head and asked me to even name a song off off this album. I'm glad we did this podcast, so I had to write those two down because I could not remember any uh, songs to save my life. Dream on, ugh, it's just just bad. Uh, it's it's hard unless you want to just be snarky. Talking about bad things uh, in excess is exhausting. And I don't want to, that's not uh, the point of our podcast. We do want to be fair and, you know, call out things when they are not quality, which is what we're doing here. But I can't even dwell on it much more because there's just not much to say about it besides the fact that it's incredibly boring. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that uh, I didn't realize that Fad Gadget opened up for him on this tour. So there you go. Uh, and a subject that we'll actually be talking about later at some point in this season. Fad gadget. Well, it yeah, sounds like a David was, Letterman joke. That was uh, because. Did you guys hear about this? Yeah. Depeche yeah. <laughs> Mode did open for Fad Gadget in their early days, and then they were going to bring him back, but sadly, the uh, Fad Gadget, uh, the man behind Fad, G- Fad Gadget, uh, passed away, um, and so they could not realize that. Uh, That's a but... name you can't say too fast, as Eric just proved. Cider is 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 everything you all said. Um, there was this trend in, I guess, radio rock, radio, I guess, adult contemporary at the time, where you would use like this very like uh, clean, uh, programmed, obviously like electronic drums backbeat in the background, and then like folk music over it john mayer used it it was a, it was a thing it was it was very big in 2002 or 2001 um anyways uh yeah so this falls into that and apparently they felt like they could do a very safe record a very clean uh mostly sticking to the the major key and uh, unfortunately, it is boring as hell. I do like The Dead of Night and the song When the Body Speaks. I am against my best intentions, which were to bash this album from start to finish. That song has an undeniably beautiful melody and needs to be uh, praised, that particular track. Um, other than that, it's unfortunately a, uh, a a chance to mesh with pop culture of 2002, which was honestly in music one of the lowest points <laughs> of pop music. Yeah. So uh, that's all I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's surprising about that Midnight Sale is that somehow the Green Album was not the worst record released that night, and uh, the Green Album is not terrible, but it's. I mean, Weezer made two great records and then has been middling to bad ever since. 
but uh, I'd sooner spin the green album before I would uh, this album ever again. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Uh, at least the green album had a video with the Muppets. Um, so the next phase is the phase that we're calling it the sounds of the machines, um, where they're kind of hearkening back to, um, the old style of songwriting with modern instrumentation and, uh, production. Um, it starts out with the playing the angel followed by sounds of the universe, followed by Delta machine, and then ending with their last record or more so latest record. It's not like they've hung up their spurs is spirit. Um, and we're going to kind of talk about these albums all in kind of one lump because I will just go on, just throw the, uh, the meat out to the lions here, but sounds of the universe, Delta machine and spirit kind of all to me could be just melding into one big album, maybe kind of shedding some of the debtor weight off, um, but they tend to, those three don't really have any standout tracks. Um, and it's not to say that I'm like, let's just breeze over this. We've already talked long enough about the discography, but I will say this playing the angel is by far the, the, the most superior one out of this, uh, phase to where I even put it in my top tier Depeche mode albums. I think interesting. I would say spirit is the superior of this era. Interesting. Okay. A little crossfire, a little John McLaughlin hour. Um, but for me, uh, I really love pain that I'm used to John, the revelator suffer. Well, uh, precious is that first single, um, which, uh, it's, uh, definitely the catchiest song off the record. Um, you have Dave Gahan actually writing, um, nothing's impossible and I want it all. Um, the song, the darkest star, uh, damaged people. This is just, it feels that because Martin Gore said that he had quite the big writer's block when it came to exciter. And to me, it showed, uh, with this one, um, the, the floodgates opened. I feel like great music, great lyrics, great performances by Dave Gahan. Um, it just, it reinvigorated my appreciation because honestly, after Exciter, I thought, well, I guess I'm not in the best mode anymore. I, I guess I've outgrown it. So I don't really need to follow them as closely as I was. And, uh, had I not been curious about playing the angel, um, I definitely, um, could have missed out on a great ending phase that we're currently either in, or they've ended this phase and we're on to something else.
Steven, um, since this was your idea about kind of grouping them all as one, uh, tell me why you think that would be a, like a good way to discuss these records. Oh, yeah, I just they all sound similar to me, but they all sound good to me. Um, if if uh, playing the angel uh, sounds the universe, Delta Machine and Spirit, they all also have a similar level of quality in my mind. Um, maybe it's because I kind of took a break and playing like I listened to them maybe once or twice before going back to them and studying them all at the same time. And just I, I just uh, the. The lengths of the albums, the types of songs, uh, the approach to the songwriting, it all, each one kind of complemented the other one well. Didn't sound samey, didn't sound bad. Um, I I just think that they really seem like not a different band at all. Like I, Like you said, it sounds like going back to maybe some of the old song structures of modern technology, which is a great way to approach things. And, uh, I just, I, I dig them all pretty well. And I was actually happy to see how good they are compared to, uh, Exciter. It would have been terrible if Exciter is where it all ended or if they just, you know, got worse after Exciter, God forbid, if that's possible. But, uh, yeah, I just, I really think they complement each other. Well, um, if I didn't, if these four albums were released by another band that wasn't called Depeche Mode, I would still probably like them just as much. I'm not, I don't only like these albums because they're Depeche Mode albums. And also, I think that Depeche Mode does not fall into the trap of many other bands that have been around for 40 years. They don't just put albums out to go on tour. Uh, I think that they put a lot of effort into these records and they're still very high quality records by this band. And uh, playing the angel is great. Like you said, Mark uh, pain that I used to is an awesome opening track. I just, they're good at opening tracks. Pain that I used to is great. John, the revelator, like you said, also is great. Um, occasionally Dave Gahan will do a Nick cave thing in the, this last phase. John, the revelator is definitely that kind of a, uh, a, a possessed preacher man, if you will. And you also see some of that with him and his work with the, uh, the soul savers. Suffer Well, great song. Kind of has uh, some uh, David Bowie low era influences in it with uh, some of the uh, spacecraft landing and taking off sounds that you'll find in it. Uh, Precious is good. Damaged People, Darkest Star, like you said, that's great. All off of Playing the Angel. Off of Sounds of the Universe, In Chains, Hold a Feed, Wrong! Fragile Tension, In Sympathy. I like all those songs quite a bit. Delta Machine, uh, Welcome to My World, Heaven, Broken, Soft Touch, Slash Raw Nerve, which was a single. Great song. Great song. Uh, Alone. Those are all good. And then off of Spirit, yeah, I think Spirit's really good. Uh, Spirit from 2017, to me, 
has some violator echoes in it somehow. And to me, if you listen to it and violator, they pair well together. Um, I think spirit's definitely the best album of their new albums. One thing I like about it is the song where the revolution takes them back to their topical political songs, even though they're air quotes, not a political band. I really appreciate where's the revolution. Cause it kind of says like, man, things are about as bad as I've ever seen it right now. Where is everybody? What are we doing? Are we just complaining online on Twitter? Or are we actually trying to change things? I, I like that message. Where's the revolution? Come on, let me down. Where's the And uh, Cover Me and So Much Love are also good as well. I like all these new albums. I'm glad I like these new albums. I'm actually glad that you said uh, Spirit was your favorite. Um, That's the one I haven't really spent a whole lot of time on, uh, if you can believe it. I think I've listened to Exciter more times just trying to like force myself to find some appreciation and see where it fits in into their entire catalog. Um, And that... I just haven't give spirit the same sort of time and attention. I think you've even listened to Delta machine more so than spirit. Yeah, I'd give, I'd give, I'd give spirit a, a, a day in court. Yeah. If I were you. Yeah. I mean, I think I've listened to it maybe three times. Um, and I feel like that need to put a little bit more mileage on that. Uh, Eric, um, what do you kind of think of hey, this? Wait. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Eric, one more thing, Eric or Mark and Eric. Uh, also on all these records, one thing that links them together is I think Dave Gahan's probably the best he's ever been as a, uh, a singer. Uh, he's 40 years down the road from where he started. And I think he's at the spot before where he's too old to do what he wants to do. Uh, and has all the training that you're going to get from singing for 40 years. I think he really shines on some of these albums. Uh, Eric, what do you think? No, I agree with you. And and Dave is doing it and Martin's doing it. They are swinging for the nosebleed seats in the stadium. These are all the what links these together is they're all four produced like just begging you to hear them in a stadium, stadium bangers like the production goes to the stratosphere many times. Uh, I do agree that playing the angel may be the best of the bunch. Um uh, but uh, they're they're all very special in their own way. Um, I think I agree that John the Revelator may be their best Latter Day single. It's it's such a banger. John the Revelator put him in an elevator, take him up to the high side, take him up to the top where the mountains stop. Let him tell his good eyes. John the Revelator, he's just. Sounds of the Universe. What's cool about that album is uh, Martin Gore pulled out all of his old synthesizers. And that one, they tried to kind of do their new style with their advanced production techniques, but use old 
old synthesizers, Korgs, MIDI, that kind of stuff. Um, it's good. It, it definitely is spacey and it takes you places. Even if uh, the consistency of like the catchy songs is not quite there yet. Um, and, 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 and Delta Machine is definitely pulling out that blues gospel stuff a little bit more. Uh, but there are there are fantastic songs. And I do agree that Spirit is is that was the tour I saw them for. I was pretty amped on that album at the time. I liked the political, the messages. It was it was, you know, we were all in trauma from Trump being president. And, and it was a good little catharsis moment. And I, I love hearing them do do some protest songs. It's great. But listen to any of these last four on headphones and you can the production. Martin Gore has found his like apex as far as like taking you on a a, a a galactic journey with his production on these last four albums um it's just it, it, it truly is a a treat for the years just throw headphones on and any of these last four will take you there i will say uh these last four do suffer from the digital age where albums can be as long as you want them to be they can all use an editor i think they can all use probably a minimal get rid of two tracks yeah um, but you know skip those songs if you're bored uh not bad and uh the on spirit specifically i want to call out that song so much love again it's it's oh, a up yeah it's an up tempo mover of a song that could but be it's a got dfa song like the way that they use the bass in that song could be like a a, a, a LCD sound system. Or I, I could see that. My head shake. This disclosure. I must break. There is so much love in me. could see that but also it's got some kind of like subtle acoustic flourishes to it to where like i think that's maybe what they thought they were doing on exciter but failing miserably um listen to it again in that context and tell me what you think but it, uh, that's a great song well that's the discography i mean uh, i guess my uh, final thoughts on sounds of the universe delta machine and spirit is that uh i like i had they're just a blended uh, piece of the uh, uh, the whole um, phase of this Sounds of the Machine. And I'm trying to think if this was like a setup of a trilogy from a producer where they deviated from that trilogy from Spirit. So Playing the Angel, Sounds of the Universe, and Delta Machine were all produced by uh, one guy, and that 
gentleman's name was Ben Hillier. So I think he did the three and they purposefully went to a different producer for spirit in order to just, okay, that was the one part of that trilogy. So who knows? Maybe spirit is the beginning of a new phase. We will find out if they ever release. We'll find out. Um, so, uh, I think that does it for the history of Depeche Mode. They're still around. They still are, uh, touring, uh, it's been a while since their last tour. Obviously, it's been a while for a lot of people from touring from COVID. Um, they have no indication that they're breaking up. In terms of the solo stuff, however, so uh, Andrew Wilder. However. What's that? <laughs> I just however. However, yeah. That being said, the solo work. The solo work. You guys tell me about it. I I couldn't be bothered. There's. A- I mean, um, so. Martin Gore has the counterfeit EP. He has the, uh, that was his first introduction to just doing his own thing that came out in 1989, uh, four or five songs. I mean, it's not bad vocals just sounds very minimal stripped down. Uh, it is considered almost a cult classic. However, uh, then in 20, 2003, he comes out with a record called counterfeit Eh, it has a Nick Cave cover of Loverman. Um, Metallica's cover of Loverman is better. Uh, it's uh, just a little too close to being like Exciter a little bit. Uh, MG was another 2015. Uh, that's a good one. That's like uh, that's it. the like one that's MG. pretty good. The MG and the Third Chimpanzee EP uh, yeah, are actually really solid. Yeah. Fucking- great more yeah, instrumental uh doesn't yeah. focus on any uh vocals it's all instrumental. yeah yep like both of them both yep. of them are yeah uh, and those are very good. like spacey spacey uh what do they call that um idm intelligent dance music yeah which um, is the the apex twin uh i catalog of, of electronic music uh, in 2012 both, both are fantastic yeah, both are both are really good. Uh, in 2012, he actually does a collaboration record with Vince Clark called VCMG. Uh, it's it's pronounced hiss or s. Um, and I listened to that today. It sounds like Tron nightclub music. Uh, so if that's Great. your thing, that's your thing. Um, then Dave Gahan, he had uh, Paper Monsters came out in also 2003. Uh, like I said, a little too close to Exciter. Um, just not feeling it, not feeling it at I all. I did, I did out of all, I did give that one a shot and, uh, yeah, the sleepy time tea. I'm telling you, this stuff is like that fucking John Mayer, like just throwing a little like light, like paper thin. You could break it if you sit on it, like, uh, uh, techno backbeat over yeah. some like folk pop and that that was a thing in the early aughts and and dave jumped on that and listen the guy's got like i said mathematically the best voice you'll ever hear uh but still he needs that like dark epicness that depeche mode brings it yeah just does just does not work on those albums hourglass was a little bit better but not by much um, it has a bit more of a rocking element to it, but still has that too shiny sheen on it. 
Um, and I didn't bother with soul savers. Uh, there's more important things to do folks. I listened to a little bit of it. They, I mean, listen, they shred. It's fine. It's, it's, uh, it, it definitely works for what he's trying to do, but it still is a little, uh, a little blues hammer. From what I've heard of soul savers, I don't hear the blues hammer as much. I think they're actually, they put together, like it's, I think it's like a production team maybe. And they actually, they pull out like pretty elaborate live groups of people to play it live. I mean, they've done some stuff together and some of the songs I heard I did like. Um, they also did some work with Mark Lanigan. And uh, I think that Soul Savers music is better than the name would imply. <laughs> From what I've heard, I haven't sat down with a couple of the whole albums, but uh, I don't know. I'll give it I'll give it a deeper dive and I'll let you guys know what it what I, what I think. Don't I know it'll keep you up at night until I do. I mean, the the name Soul Savers sounds like some cult that uh, the Witcher comes across. Um, <laughs> but uh, I yeah, I don't know. I just didn't take my uh, the time to do it. So I guess I should check it out just to say that I did it. But I, I figured I needed to go back and maybe just cursory just skim through, <clears throat> excuse me, the solo work uh, before moving on to more important matters. But uh, so that's not forget uh, recoil. There's recoil as well. Yeah, there is, is recoil. Actually not, not bad. Uh, Liquid, the album Liquid is. Yeah. Is uh, cool. Uh, God, there was another one because you know what really actually I'm, put I'm, Recoil on my radar was during the Fragile tour. Trent would a lot of times play Recoil over the loudspeaker uh, before coming on. Yeah, I remember. I remember having a used copy of both those CDs and just thinking, "Whoa, the the, the guy that left Depeche Mode actually has a touch of the darkness to him, or something like that." In my teenage brain, Unsound but, uh, Methods, I think, was the one that I had. Yeah, pretty good stuff. Pretty just a lot of instrumental, I think. Kind of, kind of. Yeah, I'm not just saying. Yes, vocals. Yeah, yes, vocals. Okay, closer. And I'm not just saying this because the name of the band, but it's closer to the Coil style of industrial, I think. Yeah. Than nightclub bangers. Sure, and I think he did. uh, He did some work with Massive Attack, also. um, Not unsound methods. Hydrology. That's the one. Sorry. There you go. Yeah. Hydrology and liquid. They like their, their fluids. No doubt about it. Then yeah. Liquid came out in 2000. Yeah. That's it's it. Been a, it's been a night. It's been a night of kinks. Uh, they did have an album called Unsound methods. All right. I'm not losing my mind here. All right, everybody. We're still on track. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, I think that's basically Depeche Mode, um, all that you could really take into the next episode uh, where we discuss Ultra um, track by track and uh, the background and the history and whether we like it or we don't. Where would we rank that in our mid or top or range or uh, lower tier of Depeche Mode's career? Well, tune in to find out. But to close this out, instead of us ranking them, I just want to know, uh, across the board, tell me your fa- uh, your best, your favorite slash best Depeche Mode and your worst slash least favorite Depeche Mode. Just bottom, top. And we're starting yes. with Eric. We already, we already know the answers here. All right. I just All want right. to make sure. 
Oh, Let's yeah, go. No, Exciter and, is top, and, and uh, then no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exciter is top notch. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, bottom rung is Exciter. Top rung is Violator. All right. I think that settles same. it. You said it's, it's, it's same. same. Okay, just making sure that we're all uh, above board. Um, all right, you're in unison. So, but you could now, now everything in between though you could shift. Oh, everything bit. in between. So because we all agreed, and I just want to get like one moment of I'm clutching my pearls. I know we're running late, but the, we're in a two parter here. Um, your second best and your second worst. Just uh, I want to get a little bit of disparity here. I'll go first. All right. Black Celebrations, the second best. Okay. Okay. And then uh, second worst. The second worst. Probably. Ah, God, it's uh, the. It's hard. Probably, sp- probably speak and spell. I guess. All right, all right, Eric. Yeah, weirdly, I have the same second best with Black Celebration. Although I think it and and Music for the Masses can duke it out until the end of time. Uh, but uh, second worst is actually Broken Frame. I think Speak and Spell, even though it's not really Depeche Mode sound, there is a. Sp- there is a charm and a spirit of fun that outweighs the dead tracks on broken frame where Martin Gore is still trying to figure it out inside a. So there you go. I'm on board with Steven. It's black celebration, even though music for the masses is definitely knock, knock, knock in, but I'll will say black celebration just because it's, uh, yeah. Uh, you, you get you get a smorgasbord on that one. It's it's good. Yeah. Um, and then speak and spell. It's the Vince Clark factor. Um, just give Martin the keys, man. Have fun at Yazoo and uh, go over to Eric's house upstairs. <laughs> is where you go. Yeah, <laughs> Martin, needed, Martin needed another album or two before he he his chops were sharp. Uh, Vince was sharp on day one. It just wasn't a good fit for Depeche Mode. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just can't get enough fucking great song. I'm not denying that. That's a Vince Clark jam. But one thought I would like to leave us with yeah. that I've been thinking about excessively. Uh, we keep, we keep, actually, no, Beastie Boys, we didn't get, uh, we didn't have to, <laughs> we didn't have to do this for bites. I say that like it's a punishment. <laughs> no, but when, when we land on some of these like favorite favorites, we're like, all right, we got to talk about the discography at least for a while. And it just, it keeps happening with your Primuses and your Romsteins, your Depeche Mode. It's a good problem to have when it happens. Uh, it'll happen a couple more times. Uh, for some other bands, it won't happen. But one band I know where it's going to happen that I always pair with Depeche Mode, even though they're different in so many ways, is uh, The Cure. And I've just been thinking about when it comes to talk about The Cure's discography, the unison and unity we found tonight will probably go out the window. Because that discography, depending on what kind of mood you're in and what you're looking for, it fucking goes all over the place. And that will be a very interesting discussion whenever we get around to it. Yeah. I, I was wondering whether or not we we're going to do a discography cure episode. You uh, have to. I mean. No. That's you know, fucking the top and the head and the door alone is why you got to do that. It's just. Yeah. It's insanity. Yeah. Oh, 
I mean, but then when you get to their later work, then the more we're talking about, you know, wild mood swings and the, uh, the, the self-titled Ross Robinson record. I mean, it's going to be fucking dragons back there. Um, but I, I, I completely, <laughs> I completely forgot that Ross Robinson, what a, what a just insane choice. Like it, 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 he def, Robert Smith was like, this is so bad. It's a good idea. And I don't know if it was or not. I can't. Oh my God. Imagine, imagine Ross Robinson producing a Depeche Mode album. That's something. I know. That that would be absolutely something. I mean, I was thinking earlier, it's a shame that Martin Gore and that album Counterfeit didn't cover Limp Bizkit's Counterfeit. Oh, well. (laughs) Just freaking me out. (laughs) You're freaking me out. You're a mask (laughs) called Counterfeit. All right. Actually, it sounds pretty great. That's actually, yeah. uh, Internet, make it happen. Um, Do your thing, as they say on Twitter. Um, all right. Well, I think this will close out our two-parter. Um, and then next time we will discuss our uh, selected record, which is Depeche Mode's Ultra, released in 1997. Yes. So there we go. Uh, this has been Mark. Steven. Eric. And we hope that we brought you closer to Mode.